Hey everyone, welcome to Church Online. My name is Carlos and I serve as one of the teaching pastors here at Christ Fellowship and we miss being with you guys at our physical locations, but for now, churches wherever you are. So whether you're watching us in your office or you're watching us in your living room, sitting on your couch, wherever you are, we want to say thank you so much for joining us today. This weekend, we are on part two of a series that we've entitled Death to Selfie. And we're going to learn about the sin called sexual immorality. Now, parents, if you have your kiddos around you, I want to encourage you for them to get connected into our CF Kids worship experience fully online. I'm telling you, it is amazing. With that being said, if you can open your Bibles to Colossians chapter 3. That's the passage that we're going to study today, Colossians chapter 3, and here's what the Word of God says. Put to death, therefore, whatever is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Amen. That is the Word of the Lord for today. You know, the older that I have gotten, I am 36 right now, for those of you that don't know, the more that I begin to reflect on the good old days, especially those high school days. You see, my best friend and I, he was sharing a story with me. And, you know, I went to school here in Miami. I was born and raised in Miami. I went to Southwest High. But during my sophomore year, my family and I, we moved to North Carolina. So I had actually graduated from Cary High. But how many of you there, show of hands, how many of you went to Southwest High, make some noise, Eagles, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know some of you out there went to Southwest. You know, my best friend was sharing a story with me about his high school when he was in high school that was very intriguing and it is so fitting for the message of this weekend. My best friend in high school had a buddy that he was close to by the name of Joe. But there was something unique about Joe. Because Joe was obsessed. He was infatuated with starting fires. Oh, yeah. Joe would carry a lighter everywhere he went. And it wasn't to smoke cigarettes, but rather to start fires. So after high school, they would go out to the basketball courts. They would go out to the field and play football. Joe would grab his lighter. He would get some paper. He would get some grass. And he would begin to light it up. And he would start a fire. Then after school, they would go out to eat lunch somewhere like Burger King or McDonald's. And while they were in the parking lot eating their meal, he would grab whatever he can grab and he would pull out his lighter and he would start his fire. You see, for Joe, he thought that it wasn't a big deal. And he thought it was something very insignificant that he had under control to start these fires. But folks, one day... My best friend, another buddy, Angel, they were in the middle of a field out by Zoo, Miami, and it was a hot, dry summer day. And guess what Joe did? He grabbed some paper, he grabbed some stuff, and he began a fire. But this fire got larger and larger in size. And so they tried to stop the fire, but they could not stop it to the point that it got so large that they were afraid and they ran from the scene. Well, moments later comes the fire rescue, comes the ambulance, first responders, police officers. And my best friend told me that the moment that they went back home, 
they actually turned on the news and the helicopter was capturing the fire that they started. You see, by that small, very insignificant fire that Joe began, by him just pulling up that lighter and starting that fire, it actually destroyed acres of land. You see, Joe thought that starting fires was something so small and something that he could control. However, it was very destructive. Now, let me bring all of that over to our teaching for this weekend. Because what an image of what sexual immorality can do to our lives. And by that, I mean, just like Joe thought that he had that fire under control and he thought it was a small, insignificant thing, in the same way, sexual sin is a thing that oftentimes we think we have under control, but yet can be a very destructive and deadly thing. And who knows? Maybe you're here today and you're thinking, Pastor Carlos, that's exactly me. You're speaking to me today. I think I have this sexual sin under control. What do you mean that sexual sin is destructive? And how do I eliminate the sexual sin in my life? Well, we're going to find out today as we navigate through this passage in Colossians chapter 3. And so if you have, you know, your notes, make sure that you're taking notes today. And so there where you are, you can take out your iPad, you can take out your iPhone. If you're old school and you have your notebook, take out that pen and piece of paper. And I want to encourage you to write down some notes. And here's the first point that I want you to write down today. In Christ Jesus, you can put to death the sin of sexual immorality. In Christ, you can put to death the sin of sexual immorality. Here's what the Word of God says in Colossians 3.5. Put to death, therefore, whatever is earthly in you, sexual immorality. Now, let's stop right there because we've taught you, we've been going through this series and we've been going through the book of Colossians verse by verse and chapter by chapter. And the Apostle Paul is writing this letter to the church in the city of Colossae. And these Christians are going through temptations just like you and I face. And he's talking to them about the dangers of sexual immorality. But here's the interesting thing, and here's what I want you to get to, to know. Because oftentimes we think that as believers, because we are only saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ alone, Sometimes some of us think that we can live however we want to live. You see, this false teaching, this false idea, theologians refer to it as antinomianism. You see, antinomianism, anti means no, and noma means law. You see, this is the opposite of legalism. Several weeks ago, I taught about legalism, and legalism says that if we follow all the rules, only if we follow all the rules, then God will accept us. Well, antinomianism is the complete opposite. Antinomianism is this idea that because we are saved not by works, but only by grace and faith in Jesus, then we can do whatever we want to do. Then we can live a licentious lifestyle. And that is completely incorrect. And so Paul is writing to these Christians and he's letting us know, inspired by God, do not fall into the trap 
of antinomianism. And so in this passage in Colossians chapter 3, verse 5, he begins to give a list of sins that we ought to put to death in our life. Here's what the word of God says in Colossians 3, 5, put to death sexual immorality. Now, if you're taking notes, I want you to circle or underline that word sexual immorality. We've told you many times that the New Testament was first written in Greek and then translated into other languages. And that word sexual immorality in the Greek, it's the word pornea. Now, if it sounds familiar, it's because that's where we get the word pornography from. However, I want to make this very clear because when the Bible uses the word pornea, it's not only referring to pornography, but it's also referring to anything sexually immoral. It's referring to adultery. It's referring to lust. It's referring to sex outside of marriage. And so Paul begins to write this and then he gives us a list in this passage in Colossians chapter 3 and look at what the Bible says. He tells us, put to death sexual immorality, impurity, and then he gives us a long list of things such as anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk, lying, all these different things. Now, here's something interesting that I want to point out. Why is it that Paul begins with the sin of sexual immorality? Why doesn't Paul say, put to death the anger or the greed or the lying or the stealing that's happening in your life? Why does he begin with sexual sin? Here's why. Two reasons. Number one, it's a sin that is very common. And the second reason is because sexual immorality is that sin that falsely promises the greatest pleasure and yet leads to the greatest pain. Let me say that again. Sexual immorality, sexual sin is that one sin that falsely promises the greatest pleasure and yet leads to the greatest pain. In fact, if we were to go back in our time, if we were to reflect in our high school days, our college days, most of our regrets have to do with sexual sin. See, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. However, there are consequences. Every sin, God sees every sin the same, but the consequences are different. And here's what I want you to know, and here's what I want you to write this down. If you do not eliminate the sexual sin in your life, there are some destructive consequences in your life. Let me give you an example of how this works. Perhaps you're a married man and you've been married for several years and everything is going okay in your life, your intimacy. But all of a sudden, you begin to watch a little bit of porn. You know, it's a little thing, Pastor Carlos. Nobody knows about it. All my friends do it. Everyone at work watches it. Ah, it's not a big deal. I mean, it's not going to affect me. Here's what happens. The casual porn, man, then you become addicted to porn and you're watching it all the time. Not only does it begin to destroy your mind, 
then it destroys your intimacy with your wife. And now you don't even want to have intimacy with your wife because you're being satisfied in that, those images that you watch and it destroys your intimacy with your spouse. What's the big deal? I mean, it's a small thing and destroys your marriage. And you place an expectation on your wife that she cannot uphold. And it affects you and your marriage and your relationship with your children, your relationship with your family. What's the big deal? It's just a small thing. It's, nobody knows about it. The small thing turns into a massive wildfire. Or ladies, maybe you've been married for some time, woman, and all of a sudden here comes this guy who compliments you at work. Hey, sweetie, you, you, you look so pretty. You look amazing. Have you been working out? Have you been going to CrossFit or Orange Theory? I can tell. And guess what happens? You begin to infatuate in those thoughts. You, get, you begin to replay those thoughts in your mind. Well, my hubby doesn't compliment me and my coworker compliments me. He's such a nice guy. Let me, be, let me, let me start being a friend with him. Let, let, me, let me just engage in some, some friendship with him. And the compliments that was innocent and wasn't a big deal turns into a friendship. And then you begin to become emotionally intimate with each other that then leads you to adultery. And then what happens? It destroys your marriage. It destroys your family. It destroys your relationship with your children. I have had couples that I have counseled that have not been intimate with each other because the husband is addicted to porn. Have not been intimate with each other for months, even a year, because of an addiction. You see, when it comes to sexual immorality, it is not just porn, it's lust and adultery. It's sex outside of marriage. I want to make this very clear. God created sex, not the world's. Not our culture, not society. God himself created sex for a man and a woman to enjoy under the parameters of marriage. He created sex for procreation and he created sex for our pleasure as well. But here's what the world has lied to us. The world says that sex is just a physical thing. It's kind of like just playing football, playing sports, working out. Sex is just a physical thing. Here's what I want you to know today. Sex is not just physical. It's not just a physical thing, but it's also an emotional thing and a spiritual thing as well. In fact, look at what the word of God says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 11. This passage has to do with sexual immorality, verse 16 in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 16. And here's what the word of God says. The two will become one flesh. But he who is joined to the Lord becomes, becomes one spirit with him. Every other sin a person commits, it's outside the body, but the sexually immoral person sins against his own body. In other words, what Paul is reminding us, sex is not just a physical thing, but it also involves emotions and it is also 
a spiritual thing as well. In fact, I want to give you a quick visual to help you understand this point a little better. It's a little, you know, funny or cheesy, but I, but I think it would draw the point. So I want to give you a quick visual. You know, these two eggs represent two people, male and female. And so for the sake of this illustration, we're going to give it some names. This person is Mario and this person is Maggie. If there are any Marios out there, sorry, this is just for the illustration. So Mario, all of a sudden, is introduced to Maggie at a party. They see each other. They're like, oh, you know what? Maggie, she's pretty. She's cool. She's funny. And then Maggie thinks of Mario. You know what? He makes me feel good. So they begin to date. And then they become Facebook official. And they begin to put pictures on their Instagram. But they get to a point that, you know what? We've been dating for a couple months. It is time for us to get intimate. We're going to go all in because I love you, honey. We're going to go all in and we are going to go intimate with each other. Here's what happens. They get intimate and then life goes on. And as they continue to date, Maggie realizes that Mario's job doesn't pay that well. That Mario doesn't really have a future. He's not going to be able to provide for my family. Mario realizes, you know what? Oh, Maggie's a little bossy. I mean, she's a little controlling and I don't even like her friends. So, you know what, guys? We're, we're just going to go our separate ways and we're just going to end things. And I'm going to go my way and then I'm going to go my way. And what happens is a little bit of Maggie goes with Mario and a little bit of Mario goes with Maggie. Yes, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Yes, God forgives you, child of God, from your past, present, and future sins. However, there are consequences And oftentimes, because of the sin that we indulge in, we carry the scars of previous relationships. A little bit of Maggie goes with Mario. A little bit of Mario goes with Maggie. Why? Because sex is not just a physical thing. It is also an emotional thing and a spiritual thing. Now, Jesus heals us from all of our scars. Young man, young woman, Jesus heals you from all your scars. But it takes time. It's a long process. And why do you even want to put yourself in that situation? You see, God gave us this gift of sex. But it's for a man and a woman under the parameters of marriage. You might be thinking, Pastor Carlos, I'm tracking with you. I get you and I completely understand. But how do I eliminate the sexual sin in my life? Well, I'm going to give us three points for you to write down today. And, you know, you know, this topic, you can go, you can have an entire sermon series on this. But this is what I felt in my heart to share with you today. How to defeat sexual sin in your life. Remind yourself of the gospel. Remind yourself of the gospel. Look at what the word of God says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 12. The body is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord. And the Lord 
for the body. And God raised the Lord and will also raise us up by his power. Do you not know that you are bodies, your bodies are members of Christ? Interesting. The apostle Paul is talking about sexual immorality. And in the middle of this passage, he talks about the resurrection of Jesus. What are you talking about, God? Why are you talking about the resurrection of Christ? Here's why. God wants to remind us of who we are in Jesus. Because you have given your life to Jesus Christ, you are now his son. You are now his daughter. We are children of God. You see, when it comes to sexual sin, the problem is not that our desire for sexual sin is too strong, but rather our love for Jesus is not strong enough. Let me say that again. When it comes to sexual sin, it's not that your desires are too strong, but rather your love for Jesus is not strong enough. You know, many of you know that I love to eat and I love going to restaurants. And one of my favorite restaurants is Havana Harry's. How many of you like Havana Harry's? I, I would go there all the time, especially when I used to go to, when I used to serve at West Kendall, I would, we would have many meetings there. In fact, uh, Pastor Ish and I, he's an associate pastor there. Shout out to him and his family. We would go there all the time. Now, if you've ever been to a Cuban restaurant and you go to Havana Harry's, the first thing they bring you is a basket of an incredible Cuban bread. I mean, it is hot, fluffy, delicious, tasteful. It is so good for your taste buds. Some of you are going to go to Havana Harry's after you hear this message for lunch or for your dinner. And when you have this Cuban bread in front of you, what do you do? You split the bread in half. You begin to spread the butter on each side. Just enough garlic on the butter, not too much, not too little. And you put it all over your bread. And you begin to indulge and consume the Cuban bread that's in front of you. But the moment that your main plate comes, your entree comes, and the moment that that waiter and wait or waitress brings the plates of some vaca frita and moros, white rice and black beans and platanito and tostones, the moment that that plate comes, you push the Cuban bread to the side and you begin to indulge and consume this meal. Did you not like the Cuban bread anymore? No. But you liked what was in front of you better. You liked that meal, that plate a lot better. God is saying the same thing when it comes to sexual sin. It is not that your desires for sexual immorality are too strong. It's that your love and desire for Jesus is not strong enough. So here's what I want to encourage you today. If you're watching us wherever you are, get consumed with the word of God. Get consumed with God by praying. Get consumed for the mission of God. Become a person who serves the kingdom of God. Become a person who is generous for the things of God because when you're love for Jesus increases, then your desire for sexual sin 
will decrease. When your love for Jesus increases, your desire for sexual sin will decrease. And so Paul is reminding them of the gospel. And here's the next point that I want you to write down, down today. Control the urge. Practice self-control. Look at what the word of God says. Verse 12. But I will not be dominated by anything. There where you are, say anything. Say it like you mean it right there in your living room. Anything. Here's what it says. Food is meant for the stomach and the stomach for food. And God will destroy both one and the other. The body, however, is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. Meaning what? God is saying, some of you are treating sexual sin like it's food. If I'm hungry, I go to Havana Harry's. If I'm craving something sweet, I go to salty donuts. I go to Pinecrest Bakery. If I'm thirsty, I drink a glass of water. You see, I feed my appetites. I feed in, I cave in to my desires. Sexual sin is not the same way. In other words, what Paul is saying, don't be thirsty. Between young people, they use this whole statement, don't be thirsty, which means do not be desperate. That's actually biblical because Paul is saying, don't be thirsty. In other words, if you feel stressed out and exhausted from a long day of work and your mind is filled with so many thoughts and you think, if I go and watch that porn, that is one of the ways that I release stress and declutter my mind. God is saying, no, 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 don't do that. Don't feed into it, but rather allow Jesus to fill you with rest. Maybe you feel lonely at nights. You have not been in a relationship for a long time and you begin to engage into a relationship that is not right. You begin to say things that are sexually immoral. God is saying, no, 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 no. Why are you feeling lonely? I am always with you and I am always for you and I am near you. Or maybe you feel insecure about yourself and you think that the way that you feel, the way that you can boost your self-esteem and feel better about yourself is by giving yourself up to someone. God is saying, no, 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 you don't need to find your security in that person, in that young guy or that young girl. You can find security in Jesus Christ alone because only Jesus can fulfill you like no one else. Remind yourself of the gospel. Practice self-control. And here's the last one that I want, want you to write down today. Flee from it. Flee from the sexual sin in your life. Look at what the Word of God says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 18. Look at what Paul writes. Flee from sexual immorality. You know that word flee in the Greek? It means to escape, to safety. In other words, if your life is being threatened, if there is a possibility that you're going to be destroyed or even die, you don't ask questions. You run and you leave the situation. 
flee from it. When you open up that laptop and no one's looking and you begin to type that website that you shouldn't go on, what is the Bible telling us to do? Close the laptop and run from the situation. When you open up your phone and you begin to scroll on your social media and you begin to go from one picture to another and those thoughts come to your mind and that picture takes you to a video and it takes you to another video. What is God telling us to do? Put that down and run from the situation. When that person at work shares that flirtatious comment to you and you begin to listen, you begin to hear what they say and it does something to you. What is the Bible telling us to do? Stop what you're doing and run. Why? Because sexual sin starts small. It starts like an insignificant thing that you have under control. I have it under control. But it leads to massive destruction and it will destroy you and it will destroy those around you as well. You know, several months ago, one of our members at church shared with me a story and I asked her, can I share your story to our church? And she said, absolutely, of course, Pastor Carlos. I think it will be a blessing to many. She had been married for about 10 years. Things were okay in her marriage, not great, not terrible. And all of a sudden there was a coworker that would come to her job and he would begin to say nice compliments to her. Oh, your hair looks great. You're so awesome. I enjoy being around you. You're such a good person. You are a good friend to your coworkers. You work so hard. She told me this week, it started as an innocent small thing. I didn't think anything of it. And little by little, the compliments went to a friendship. And he began to share some of the struggles that he was going through in his marriage. And guess what? She began to share some of the struggles that she was going through in her marriage. And what started as a small talk and compliments led to a friendship that led to dating with no one knowing and led to adultery. Long story short, her husband and her got a divorce. It destroyed her marriage. It destroyed her children. It destroyed her relationship with her parents, with her in-laws. You know what she told me this week? She said, Pastor Carlos, I was so wrapped up in my sin that I didn't even care. I didn't care about losing it all because I was so blinded by my sin. Small fire, destructive wildfire. But then something happened. As her and her ex-husband were divorced, her ex-husband came to know Jesus. And he began to follow Jesus, but also began to pursue her. Not for her to get back with him, but rather to reconcile her to God. And so long story short, she actually came to the things of Jesus. She got saved and her ex-husband and her, they didn't start dating, but rather they started courting. And eventually they remarried. And now her 
and her family faithfully serve in our church. And there was restoration. Only Jesus could take the sins of our life when we repent and we turn away from our sins, when we run away from our sins. Not only does he reconcile you and I, but he restores you. And maybe you're dealing with a lot of scars in your life. Maybe you're dealing with a lot of scars from past relationships. Young person, or whatever stage in life you are in, God wants to heal you. And he wants to give you a new chance. You are a new creation in Jesus Christ. There is hope in Jesus. It is in Jesus that you can find ultimate satisfaction, ultimate pleasure, ultimate fulfillment, nothing else. Sexual sin will not do it for you. And so maybe you're struggling with this, situ- with this sin in your life. Repent, run from it, and allow God to restore your life. Amen. There where you are, I want to pray for you. In this very moment, I want to take a moment and I want to pray for you. And I want you to join me in prayer as well. Father God, we just come before you. God Almighty, you are a good and gracious God who gives us infinite chances while we are on this earth, God. And I pray, Lord, that for those who are struggling with this sin, God, that perhaps they think they've been able to manage it and no one knows what's going on, God. I pray that you bring conviction to their hearts that leads to true repentance and begin to restore them. In you, Jesus, we find hope. In you, Jesus, we find forgiveness. In you, Jesus, we find the grace to be able to overcome the sins in our life. We love you and we thank you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.